Hey, Rory, afternoon. Thank you so much for uh, for joining. I've been looking forward to this conversation for, for such a long time now. Um, so before we get started, um, it'd be great if you could introduce yourself and um, and a little bit about Trumpet. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. I've also been looking forward to this conversation. Um, but yeah, I'm Rory. I'm one of the co-founders uh, and CEO here at Trumpet. We are accelerating sales cycles by centralizing buyer journeys with what we call pods, they're microsites that can be created in seconds, used from outreach right through to onboarding to provide your buyers with a seamless one-link journey. So there is the quick elevator pitch. Brilliant. Um, thank you. So uh, good to learn a bit more about Trumpet. Um, let's just dive into it. Why, why does Trumpet exist? What was your kind of mission? What was your kind of why? Yeah, great question. Um, after spending six years in B2B SaaS sales, I realized that actually being a buyer sucked there's so much back and forth content to be consumed competitors to be compared roi to be calculated risk to be assessed like the list goes on and i'm a big believer that champions actually just become messengers um you know they're having to navigate a lot of back and forth between you and the wider stakeholders and all of this back and forth leads to indecision um, it leads to deals falling through and it means that sales cycles are getting longer, especially as there are more stakeholders than ever involved in decision-making processes. So whilst I was witnessing all of this happen, I was like, there has to be a better way um, to give equip your champion with everything they need to easily share your value prop internally. Um, so that's where Trumpet was born, just uh, watching how painful it was for buyers <laughs> to buy software. Amazing. And and so many of those trends are things that we've been hearing about over the last five years and actually probably getting worse, right? So I remember when I first heard that you need six people in a deal to, you know, to increase win rates. Now that's gone up to eight. Now it's gone up to 10. And of those trends that you briefly mentioned um, that feed into your mission, where would you say the biggest movement has, has been out of interest, Rory? Yeah, it's a great question. I think what we're noticing is buyers are spending less and less time with salespeople. I think that's because, you know, you and I go onto a certain website, click buy, whatever we order arrives the next day. It's that ease of like, you know, being a consumer. People want that in the world of B2B. Also, everyone's just a lot, lot busier. So they don't have time to jump on multiple calls, multiple demos. So the ability to do more async buying, as we refer to it, um, whether that is, you know, um, having like an interactive demo online, it is being able to consume interactive content elsewhere. That's what we're seeing a shift towards is not forcing or buyers wanting to be forced through a sales funnel, but be able to buy asynchronously. Okay. So that's really interesting. So you said buyers are spending less time with sales reps, but what's the trend that you're seeing on the seller side? Um, is it more activity? Is it teams hiring more sales reps? And and how does that imbalance then sort of present itself? Yeah, I think there's a, a big shift and it's everyone kind of realizing, waking up to buyer behaviors changed. So we need to change as well. That's starting with, if we take outreach alone, everyone's shifting the focus away from quantity of outreach. You know, spray and pray days are gone. It's now quality of outreach. Anything you can do to stand out, to go deeper, to hyper-personalize, to go more ABM style, account-based marketing, where, you know, you're making sure you're, you're sharing the right logos, the right information that's relevant to that prospect. Not just, hey, here's what we do. Like, let's chat and just putting them into a sequence because that's far too easy. So it's starting there. Um, but also once buyers are in the buying process, so they've had that discovery call, it's making sure that 
you're making it easy for your buyers to buy. That's what buyer enablement um, is. And, and a big shift to that is what we're seeing at the moment. Um, so ensuring that the content or the information or whatever you're sharing with them at every stage is in the right format, it's being shared at the right time and it's easy for them to digest. Okay, so making it easy for your um, for your buyers to buy. So what, what would be some actionable tips that you would recommend um, for reps to, to actually facilitate that? Got it. Putting trumpet aside, because that's obviously our, our big focal point, <laughs> there's definitely lots of other things that you can do. So, you know, no one likes, for example, an hour-long demo being sent to them, because let's face it, no one watches it. I, you know, if I go on a demo and it's recorded, I mean, the fact that it's an hour long is already a problem. But then after that, I'm never going to watch the whole thing. Um, so being able to follow up with micro demos. Um, so you'd have those pre-saved, like key parts of your product or value um, proposition. One to two, max three-minute versions of key highlights but what you would also do is take that hour long demo recording you would still share it but then have like a tldr too long don't read version which is based on our call quick three minute summary of um what i think is the most relevant parts or how we can best help that you can share with your team so you've got the concept of micro demos which are becoming increasingly popular um and that's the, that approach of like a, a tldr with content as well I'm sharing this case study, but here's the main highlights from it or why I think it's relevant for you, not four or five pages you expect them to read. So, um, yeah, I think it's just adding that um, insight on top of everything you're sharing, not just dumping content and documents on a buyer expecting them to read them. I love that. I love the concept of the micro demo and then a small summary. Um, I think that's really effective because what I was hearing a lot last year and actually I was on the receiving end of was I missed a call where um, we were buying a piece of software and I missed the call and the rep sent me the gong recording. Now the gong recording was something like 58 minutes and it was very useful. I listened to it, but what ended up happening was I had a whole bunch of questions or comments that I sort of scribbled down that I wanted to make. And I think that's quite challenging when you're not, you're not hearing that live and you're not able to participate in the conversation. So I really like the idea of the micro demo, you know, sort of making it easier for buyers, summarizing, and then, and then being able to to follow up on top of that. I think that's, that's really, that's really great. Um, so that's in terms of making it easier for the buyers. Now, one thing you talked about earlier was the kind of ABM approach, the, the hyper-personalization. Um, and we keep hearing this word personalization. Um, what do you think reps need to do to stand out? And what, what actionable tips would you would you have for people there? Yes. Uh, what's the golden ticket to outreach? <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the big ticket answer. Um, I think the first thing is just cut the fluff. Like anything that just doesn't add value into an email needs to go straight away. You know, hey, I'm, you know, getting in touch. Um, I'm a, an AE at so-and-so company. No value there. Um, being over formal, no value. Just get straight to the point because a lot of people open their emails on mobile, you know, and that preview often means before they even open the email, they can see in that preview, should we be deleting this or not? Um, so get to the point, make it relevant. Um, and switch things up. Like everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I do voice notes on LinkedIn, but actually most people say they do and then don't. If I get two voice notes in a row, I will listen to them and I probably will reply. It really doesn't take a lot, but basically too many people, it's too easy to add a hundred emails to a sequence, hit send, I'm done for the day. 
Yeah. People that go the extra mile and spend five to 10 minutes on each prospect. And yeah, that's not scalable, but in this market, that's what you need to be doing. So anything that shakes things up, um, that does stand out um, and is, is eye-catching is like is a must, not an if at the moment. Um, personalization to me is not, hey, we went to the same university or yeah. I noticed you're also from the UK. Like that stuff is just so dull. Um, yeah. But you've got to continuously iterate. It's like sales, it's very easy to get into a routine, to have a sequence, have a process and just go through it day in, day out. And salespeople love routine, understandably. But right now, this economic environment, you have to switch up. You've got to be doing experiments. Like we change, our, we review our sequences each week. Um, we try different ones. We can like go straight back to the drawing board. We don't just take one and then that's it for the next few weeks. Um, switch up your messaging. Also go and buy other products. Like pretend you're a buyer, like best in class, whether it's a gong or, you know, um, or any other like best in class sales tools, uh, yeah, Casper and Cognizant, like, Go and buy from them and see how they do it. And like, is there any inspiration there? Um, because it's easy to just get focused on your value prop, your messaging, how you do things. Why not get inspiration from people who've actually gone and built incredible businesses? I think that's a really good idea of sort of learning from your peers in the industry as well. Because I think, you know, I, I really like the fact that you review your sequences each week. And that kind of says to me that, um, nothing can ever stay the same for too long because then everyone else is is doing it. So um, I, I think I think you've obviously got some interesting data, or you must have some interesting data on on what works and and what doesn't work as well. Um, but I, you know, I'm a massive fan of, vo- of voice notes. I think it it's a pattern interrupt in itself. Um, I received one recently on LinkedIn and it said like, hey, Shabri, I have a question for you. And then all I could see was, like, you know, like a 30 second voice note. I'm curious. Um, mm. But it just tells me that I'm not part of a sequence. And, and you know, that's quite a low bar. But that, you know, I, I, yeah. I responded positively to that. Um, so you talked earlier a little bit about buyers, you know, wanting to spend less time with salespeople. Um, to me, I, I see exactly the same trend. And to me, um Part of that is the perception of sellers that are out there, um, mm. you know, going from, um, you know, salespeople who are trying to hit their quota and hit an objective um, versus, um, you know, a trustworthy advisor, a someone who can teach me something, someone who I can learn from, which is why I'm such a big fan of the challenger methodology, because it's all about teaching and tailoring. Um, what do you see around that? And, and what advice would you have to sellers? to help them set them, you know, help them with that shift in perception. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting topic. And, you know, there's, there's brilliant thought leaders out there, lots of incredible books, uh, as you just mentioned, that will kind of help you with this. But I think the best mindset that you can have is putting yourself in the buyer's shoes. And what I mean by that is most buyers aren't taught how to buy software or services. It's rare that they've bought 10 other things and they are like an expert in procurement so it's your job to understand that you're guiding them through a process you want to remove as much heavy lifting as possible invite the elephants into the room competitors yeah we've got them this is what they do they're great at x y and z but we're slightly different in this area and that's why i think we're a fit pricing why leave that to the last minute that's waste of your time and their time but that qualification i'd see too many salespeople just leave pricing as like this we'll get there we'll get there like you've got to go through all these million different discovery questions just be open with them like give them ballpark figure because if you don't 
it's so easy for them to go and find a competitor, find their pricing. Yeah, that kind of fits and go elsewhere. So it all goes back to what we said at the start, like that making it easy for your buyer to buy, that sense-making approach. You're, you don't want your champion to turn into a messenger. You don't want to overwhelm them. But what you do want to do is guide them through this process. Other great things that you can do are introduce timelines. So giving them visibility on the journey ahead um, and mutual action plans. The like It's the talk of the town right now because they work. They create accountability. They help progress deals forward. But they help educate your champion of what is involved for this to happen. If there's a fit and you've done great discovery, then you'll know that they want this to happen. But you can't make it like put it all on them. You need to show them that there's other people like in their team that need to get involved. It's, it is a bit of an education piece. It is that consultative selling, but it's not doing it for your sake. Just get them to sign. It's, you know, it's um, getting to that end result, like then becoming a customer and onboarded. That's what you should, that's the end goal. Not that, you know, pen to paper piece. Um, so you're trying to paint that picture for them of this is usually how things work. This is where I can help. Let me do some of that heavy lifting for you. Okay. And then on that, and this is a controversial question, Rory, but do you think that the way revenue organisations are set up um, with monthly targets, weekly targets, KPIs, quarterly targets, all that sort of stuff, do you think that contradicts where sales needs to go, which is this kind of tailoring, teaching, education, advisor piece, um, because we're always really going to be guided by performance metrics and and sort of quota attainment to say hot topic um i can see arguments to both sides but i think basically what's lacking at the moment is visibility into that async buying journey so you've got like forecasting based off calls emails demos in the calendar that kind of thing but what's happening in between them to give you that insight of you know are they reading the content have they completed a mutual action plan like have their, you know, the other stakeholders opened X, Y, and Z. That's what Trumpet facilitates. And we're trying to unlock that value of, um, of the buyer behavior and the async journey. And there's, you know, um, lots of other tools that do similar things. And I think, you know, I, companies need to adapt to provide, to facilitate a digital buying journey, as well as the calls that we have and the demos. Um, so if you've got those insights and you've got those signals, then it makes sense to continue, like as a revenue organization with those kinds of targets, it makes sense. But I think salespeople, if they're taking a more consultative approach, um, really they should have a better understanding of when it's going to close if they need to push back um, and, and delay that deal. So I think this actually plays into the favor of, um, of organizations that do revolve around you know, pretty strict targets, monthly, quarterly, and, and things like that. So um yeah you should be painting a better picture of of where that deal lies and and the intent on the buyer side okay amazing i just wanted to pick your pick your brain on that um like i said controversial question i know but um so sort of um cycling back um you talked about some of the trends that you um that you see and um you talked about information overload um and one thing that caught my eye last week was your post on linkedin around um 
one of the challenges that buyers face today is just too much information and it's and you sort of boiled it down to indecision which um mm. was the first time i heard you know heard of it phrased like that and i think you're spot on um so when we look at information overload um for our buyers and, and that indecision um what do you see reps doing today um that needs to stop and what would be the flip side and the alternative to that yeah interesting question um I thought you were going to ask, what should they continue doing? But in terms of what they should stop, it's, I think that the main one is having that like nervousness or pushback around competitors, who you're speaking to, it's their job to go and evaluate the market. Because even if they absolutely love your solution, think it's the best thing ever. As soon as they go to their CRO, their CFO, the first thing they're going to say is, have you looked at other providers? doesn't make sense for us to go with the first thing that you find. There's, you know, we should always benchmark and see what else is out there. So if you can support that journey um, and do, again, it goes back to that heavy lifting, like do some of the research for them, um, they'll be grateful. Like most buyers don't want to go and sit on five or 10 different demos and then have to do a whole analysis. Um, but it doesn't mean that you're uh, putting your competitors down or saying that they're rubbish or anything. It's just being, here's what they do, side-by-side comparison up to you um yeah i think ignoring the fact that you've got competitors is is actually a very bad move um so yeah it goes back to inviting the elephant into the room which i actually encourage everyone to do we do it um even if they haven't heard like they're very new to our space we'll still tell them you should be looking at so and so but we're that confident that we feel like this is a good fit okay okay so embracing your your competitors um does that help with the indecision do you think does that mitigate the the risk of overwhelming buyers with too much i think it does because you've done the research for them like as soon as they spoke to you they then need to look at someone else they need to see do they integrate do they offer onboarding do they have sso do they you know have the x and y feature um so you're just you're doing their research for them um but alongside that i think creating a business case for your champion on their behalf because they'll probably have to do that as well. Um, we're, we're seeing an increasing uh, trend towards that um, because especially right now, that's what every CFO is asking for. It's all well and good. You want that tool. How, you know, what is the ROI? What is the impact? How's it going to reduce risk? How's it going to save costs, drive revenue? Like what, you know, how's it going to help with all of these things? Um, can you demonstrate that? Because if we're going to spend five, 10, 100 K, I need to know that we're getting our, our you know, our money's worth there. Um, so, and again, it goes back to not all buyers know how to buy software and they don't know that they will have to build that business case. Um, so just seeing the steps ahead, like salespeople know that journey. So um, prepping them for it, helping them with it um, is only going to work for both parties. The same with like inviting or, or kind of sharing with them typically how the legal process works. Security review, SOC 2, ISO, like that's going to come up if you're in software. Let's not leave that last minute because that can be a real blocker. Um, so, yeah, bringing that into the conversation early. So something that you've talked about before, Rory, and something I'm seeing increasingly on LinkedIn is about enabling reps to sell to a CFO. Um, and I saw something a few weeks ago that said if you can't engage and, and sell effectively to a CFO and um 
and sort of quantify your ROI, then you can forget selling anything, you know, successfully in, in 2023. Um, how do you see that, um, you know, translate for, for you and your sales processes? Um, and what do you think is um, effective in terms of engaging CFOs and, and any trends that you see around that? Very relevant question in this, uh, in this climate. Um, you've got to talk the CFO talk. You know, they're not focused on your fancy features, integrations and AI and everything like that. It is what is the impact on that business. It's not just ROI. I think it's what is like meaningfully from all the thorough discovery that you've done, how are you going to have a meaningful impact on that business? Not just, oh yeah, we solve these problems or like here's the benefits based on the call I had. Um, it is how you're going to drive change. And that needs to be focused around reducing risk, saving costs, increasing revenue. That's what everyone is focused on right now. It's, is this a painkiller, not a vitamin? Um, the kind of classic saying, um, because every business is focused on doing less with, sorry, doing more with less, um, bit of consolidation going on um, and, you know, reviewing their strategy. So if they're going to be bringing on new software, new services, that means change and that means resources. So it's just having this like bigger picture understanding. Don't think of like the sales, opp this opportunity is just a, I'm going to close this deal. Think of it from their side and why they should put in the extra investment of time resources to making this happen. Of course, as well, you know, the, the cost side, um, you've got to present the real, like a, a meaningful business case, um, more so than ever. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on there. It's a very different messaging and value proposition to, you know, what you might be selling to your um, champion or end users or any other stakeholders. It's you, like you say, talk the CFO talk. I, I really like that. Um, okay, so you've talked, given me so many tips and you've given anyone who's watching this um, a ton of actionable insights and tips. Um, and I'm sure a lot of this is what you, you you're practicing, what you preach. Um, but just a final question from me: um, What is an example of a rep or company um, who have, in, you know, have sort of taken some of these tips or shown you some of these tips that you've experienced, um, and what made it special and stand out to you as the buyer? Yeah, uh, the one who comes to mind instantly, Charlotte Johnson from Sales Loft. Um, Great follow-up email, good use of micro demos, like didn't, you know, kind of fluff around pricing, was just super honest, transparent. Um, and yeah, I think most reps can take a leaf out of her book. Obviously, she does some great work on LinkedIn, sharing great insights and content and tips and tricks. Um, and I think that's just reflected in her, her work as well. Um, so yeah, hats off to her because I think it was a, a, a great follow-up process. Amazing. I think a lot of people are going to be taking away the micro demo idea that um, that you shared earlier, um, summarizing. And, you know, I think, like you say, um, just really making it easier for, for, for buyers. It's no longer about just meeting buyers where they want to be met. It's actually about how you communicate with them. Um, and uh, and I think how you, you go through that process. So thank you so much, Rory. Um, I've personally learned a ton from this conversation and appreciate all the, the ideas and insights that you shared. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks very much for having me, Shabri. Thank you.